Hey, this is Lawrence Juber, and you're listening to Fab Four Free For All. And welcome to another edition of the Fab Four Free For All, the talk show on the internet about the Beatles. I am your moderator today, Rob Leonard, and joining me, of course, is... Mitch Axelrod. And... Tony Gerbordo. And today we're doing something I truly enjoy doing. We're, I, we are, we're leaving? No, no. We've taken phone calls. We are? On tape from <laughs> our listeners. We love our listeners. And they Very called loyal. in a number. Yeah. You left a question, we answer. It's a way of connecting with the audience, and they always have interesting questions. So, and, and it was like what three ninety five a minute? <laughs> yeah, it was three ninety five <sighs> a minute, and actually a little more for happy ending. But anyway, uh, <laughs> sorry, I don't know what you guys are calling. <laughs> I don't know what you're calling. I'm calling the Fab Four free for all. Yeah, and you doing babe, like Caligula for the Beatles? <laughs> Mitch was wow. wearing a mask while listening to the questions. Eyes Black wide mask. shut, baby. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Tony has the questions lined up. Does he? Yes, he does. So we have to tell him, a, is it a color? Yes, spin, we'll spin the magic wheel and see what question we come up with. <laughs> chuck, chuck, magic chuck, wheel. So, chuck, chuck, chuck. That was very good. Well, someone call, um, Mitch, call out a color. Purple. So here we go. Let's see what we got. Hey, dudes, this is Tom Tarola from Strongsville, Ohio. At the risk of bringing up an album that may cause you three to get the dry heaves, <laughs> it kind of does that to me. Um, how impactful do you think the Peter Frampton BG Sgt. Pepper movie soundtrack was in creating interest in the second generation Beatles fans? Because I'll tell you, it was my gateway drug in 1978. Thanks, guys. You're excellent. And keep it up. Wow. Wow, wow Tom, that was a wow, great question. Absolutely. Yeah, that absolutely. And one day we're going to definitely see that movie. about the soundtrack, not the movie. Correct. Yeah. Because yeah. how influential was it? If, if in case I don't think it? I don't think it had any influence on a generation. I do think there's some probably better things on it than people think. I think but, you know what though. I think you're right. It's not influential. It was good. The only problem is though that because the movie was so bad. Yes, it was. That we were talking about this earlier, Tony and I, uh, with MTV and stuff. The visual is so ingrained in our brain of the movie. And how bad it was that it, uh, unfortunately we don't give the soundtrack a chance because of that. Yeah, I uh. think. I mean, that might be just me saying that, but I never really listened to the soundtrack because when I did, I always thought of the movie. Now, that being said, Sandy Farina doing Strawberry Fields is beautiful. It is. Absolutely. She never really yeah. went further because that movie <laughs> killed everybody's career. But but that uh, both of her versions, Here Comes the Sun, right, right. and Strawberry Fields Forever are really fantastic versions as cover versions go if you take it away from the movie. Again, don't forget, we're coming to this from a different perspective. We're coming to this, no matter how hard we try not to, we're coming to this as people who were already fans. Right. I was, what was that, 1978? Yes. So I was 13. I was already a hardcore fan and collector. So for us, it was an annoyance and an imposition and just not something that we took to. And that, and everyone of our generation went, oh, my God. But for someone, no, obviously assuming then that Tom was a bit younger, maybe. Maybe. So would it have affected a person at 
that age for saying, you know, and Got to Get You Into My Life was still Very, a big hit. It so was, was Come huge. Together from Aerosmith. That's right. Was oh, huge. Darling from Robin Gibb charted. Right. Uh, yes. The, actually, charting wise, it, it did much better than people remember. But they said there were more returns than. Well, people. that was the other thing. If you went to a record store, the yeah. album was sold on spec. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, the al- I mean, I don't say that to be funny, but if, from a retail standpoint, knowing and doing years of record retail later, that album was. Was sold so much on speculative. You worked in record retail, too, no, I didn't, didn't you? I didn't. So but it was I do basically, remember they, they thought it was going to be this huge hit. And absolutely, they wanted to, you know, provide the you know get to the sales right away, and it turned just the opposite because the cutout was there for so long afterwards. That's where I bought the record. I never played it for years afterwards. Dude, I never bought it. I got mine for a dollar. You know. Yeah, but think about the label that record was on. Robert Stigler to and RSO. what you were just coming off of. Well, yeah, Saturday of course. Night Saturday Night Fever. One of the biggest sellers and of Gre- all and time. Greece. And, Greece. And, Greece. and Greece. So the truth was that really record stores and record wholesalers. They thought everything was going to sell like that. Bingo. And especially it was a movie soundtrack. Yeah, and Beatles. And, and, and Beatles. And it's a Beatle connection. And Peter frickin' Frampton. Yep. And, and the, the Bee Gees. And the Bee Gees. So yep. basically... And Steve Martin, too. Well, yeah. yeah. yeah well, not was, wild and crazy yeah, guy. Yeah. So Maxwell, really, if you think about it, from an artistic standpoint... It was like epic fail. And of course, Very, the soundtrack, who produced it? George Martin. Yeah. Got paid a lot of money. Uh, he and, didn't love it, though. Well. He liked a lot of the Bee Gees stuff, yeah. he said. And also, this is where, if you ever want to talk about Bernard Purdy, when he said he played on Beatle Records, he's the drummer on a lot of the songs. Is he? Yeah, I didn't so know that. That's where maybe Bernard, I mean, he also did the Pete Best stuff in 64. Yeah, yeah. So maybe that's where he gets confused. I did, um, I did. I did. That was me. Every uh, time. No. So to me, <laughs> the soundtrack is still tough to listen to as a continuing two record set. That was I my. I can't do it. Also, it came. There are w- certain tracks I think are fantastic. There are so. some great he tracks. He said continuing two record set. If you were to cut it down to one record, it'd probably play better. I'd get an EP probably. Yeah. No, sorry. But there's also uh, if you if you get the original version, the LP. There's inside. There's this whole marketing campaign to Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Get the poster, get the T-shirt, whatever it was part of, and that was also part of, like you said, the whole record set business. Absolutely, absolutely. and people forget about that because that won't be on you know the, the well, CD. Well, sure. The only good thing that this album and movie brought to Beatle fans was the fact that Capital then. Put out the album again, right? As and with disc. the picture disc, yes. And as a regular release, though, with a sticker that said the original classic. Right. So from that standpoint, again, we as fans, <coughs> already established fans, and someone like Tom, who is it, whether going to the movie, seeing you know, seeing and hearing those three forty fives that all charted, does that then serve as a gateway for the, for younger people? I mean, as as it did for him, I would think it, it probably did. Probably, <laughs> for probably me it more didn't. than we. Well, but we didn't need a gateway. I, I we were there already. We were already on the other side of the I, fence. I, but I was also looking forward to. I mean, I saw the movie. Looking forward, I waited online for hours, and people did too. And then everybody waited online for the toilet afterwards. But I really did anticipate the movie, and I wanted it to be good, and it was horrible. So. I mean, Alice Cooper's in it, too. That's a nice version. Uh, Yeah. I think the because, I believe. Because, yeah. You know what I hate about the movie the most? Well, he knows about the movie. That's true. The ending, when they do Sgt. Pepper, and they they show, like, all these 
I don't want to say B-rated actors, but this it was like, okay, who was on the Merv Griffin show last yeah, week? Yeah, right. That type of thing. It was it was the cast of the Love Boat for yeah, the whole last yeah. season. And, yeah, yeah, and that bothered me a lot. And but to it, but again to a and young George Burns too. His, his, I love yeah. But to a young person, does that does that right away? Yeah, it is everybody who was on Love Boat and everybody who was on Merv Griffin. But to a young person who doesn't really know, know from Beatles, did it just make the Beatles relevant? Uh, in many ways, it could be the Across the Universe, which did make new Beatle fans. Yes. Because I, yeah. I went to the fest that year, and there were all these 20-year-old girls running around thinking that you know it's a hippie time. and every, all the, Different all the, situation, though. All the older guys are like... Or all the people. Get away, uh, you kids. Get out of here. We, we got to sing in the corner here. Does anybody remember the chronology? Did I'm in you come first before? Because no. I have to wonder whether or not Peter Frampton's commercial suicide killed the movie. I am you was a huge hit. Though. No, I am. I'm in you was so, big. The was song good. was big. The album was a disaster. The album was a was a follow up to the biggest album in the world, and that was another album that was returned more than it. I don't know. I don't think it matters. Honestly, I think, to me, if people went out and sought the original classic after hearing the soundtrack, then I think it might be influential. I'm not sure the soundtrack was, but that's just my opinion. Okay. Okay. I would say no, but... It's a good question, Tom. Yeah, it's a good question. I like that. Okay, so that's one. Rob, you pick a color. Red. Rob picks red. Rob picks red. It's a lot of alliteration. Rob picks red. Red, Here we go. Hi, kids. This is Barry McCormick from Powder Springs, Georgia. And my question is, what artist would you have liked to see Paul do a full-blown collaboration with and why? Thanks, and love the show. Mm. Oh, Thank Barry, you, Barry. That's a good one, yeah. I like that. Um, okay. You know what? I, mm. I, well, he did the Elvis Costello thing. Right. Which, if he had released that as Paul McCartney and Elvis Costello, I think would have been totally different. Well, marketing-wise, yeah. Yeah, it would have been. I would love, it won't happen, but, and he, he did work with them. Dave Grohl, to me, understands what Paul McCartney goes through, I think. They've played together live, cut me some slack, not the most perfect song in the world, but man, what a sound. Yeah. What a yeah, sound gonna, that is. I agree with you on that. And... I mean, it was a remaining of Nirvana, really, when he, Paul walked in and, and said, well, you guys, well, you know, yeah, I know you guys. Maybe. Well, I think they called it Paul Vanna. Yeah, so I would love to see Dave Grohl. I mean, at this point in <coughs> Paul's career, I'm not sure it, you know, it matters anymore. Cause, right. Know, well, would like to have seen. Yeah, I, I, I would say, right. you know, and that was 2012 or 2013 when he did that. Yeah. I, I would say Dave Grohl, I think, because I think Dave understands where it's coming from. You know, I've always wanted to see Paul work with Billy Joel. I really do. I I think they would have during the Nylon Curtain years. Yeah. Billy, I mean Billy's a huge Beatles fan. I mean we all know that he plays Beatles songs live every show. I, and he's played with Paul. And, live. That, and now they're good buddies. <laughs> right. So. I just think that at the height of Billy's career, which I think possibly was Nylon Curtain which was his Beatles album, let's face it. May uh, not have been the height of his career, but it may, may have been the height of his creativity. Creativity, great. Yes, you're right. Probably Glass Houses was... Yeah, peak of his career. Yeah, but, you know, he was very John Lennon sounding. Yeah. 
his lyrics at the time were really good. And I think if he would have played with Paul, I think he would have really done but, something cool. But to be honest, well, right, we'd have to have looked at it as there would have been whole new creations. Because I was going to say, there's nothing right. that Billy's writing was so good and so strong at that point that it's almost like there is not much that Paul could have contributed to what was Again, already you have done. To, you have to assume but you'd it have was to re- that envision, they would sit and do new songs. Yeah, brand just like, new things. Just like Elvis and Paul did. Yeah. Yeah, well. But also, you know, at that time in '82, Paul in America at least was signed to Columbia. That's that's that Billy's, been perfect. Billy's. I always thought that they were going to do something because of that. You know, Billy signed to Columbia. Paul signed to Columbia. Yeah, Billy likes meat. I always thought that they were going to do something. And they never did. Interesting. What about you? Yeah. And Margaret. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't gone to be your phone no more. No, no, hey, thumbs up. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. It's I find that it's just a really difficult question. I don't know why. I'm like milling it over in my head, and I can't really think of Rihanna. You know, no. no. I mean, you know, it, I was thinking Ed Sheeran, but it's well, too truthfully, mellow. I've had a lot of things go through my head. I'll just throw out a couple because it's hard for me to come up with something definitive. But Chrissy Hind yeah. would have been interesting. I would. I, what I'm thinking about is I'm thinking about people who are literally Paul's friends. I'm thinking to to see Paul do something with Chrissy Hind, to see Paul do something with Neil. You know, you've got Neil two. Young. Yeah, you've got two people. Well, they who have. Are, they've done been on stage live. They've now. been on stage together, but you've got two people who are very earth conscious, very you know active, but very Neil's you know. Nuts. Neil is nuts. Neil is nuts. I, I, but, I, I, Brian I, Wilson. But well, Brian Wilson. I don't know. They together. have, and I think it. I think that was also epic fail. Yeah. I think that was kind of well, just they've like, been live and in the studio. Yeah, so. but I think the studio thing was kind of. Yeah. It was okay. But I, I what somehow the something on the new on no peer pressure. They wrote a song, co-wrote a song together, right? No. It's on. No, is it on no peer pressure? No, no. They they Paul played with him on. Uh, oh geez, it's the one with all the little pictures on. Yeah, that wasn't no. That's the one before. Yeah. It, it's the second to last Brian Wilson solo album. Okay. But but I don't know. I I just think it's hard to envision him doing something full t- a full project. I guess it's hard because in answer to Barry's question, I think I'm thinking more along the lines of him doing. A duets thing, a bunch yeah, of different people. Yeah, a, a duets thing would, you know, that's something he wouldn't do because everyone else is right, done it, right, you know? right. But that, at the same time, I think at this point, or even maybe a few years ago, it would have been a perfect time actually to do it because yeah. he has played the last five, six years with a lot more people than he did before. He, out of all yeah. the Beatles, he's played the least with other people. But if he would have done maybe like a, guesting, a, a duets type thing instead of Kisses on the Bottom. I, th- I think yeah, but like Rob said, though, that is the kind of thing that he would shy away from because everybody's like, doing yeah. it's too trendy. You know what I'd like to see? You know. I bet he already did it. But nobody's doing the Greg American songbook. I, I would love, <laughs> I would that. love yeah. him to play with David Gilmore again. It's funny that was or one of the Steve people Miller. I was thinking. Or Steve also. Miller, no, both not, not Miller. Was... But but the reason is why? Because him with Steve Miller. Well, wow. these now. Well, the Steve Miller can still play like an sob. Play, man. but you, well, you, th- another thing I thought about was: could you see Paul and Lindsey Buckingham? No, no, I cannot see that at all. Just because Lindsey Buckingham's crazy? Yes. Or just no, but I mean, but you musically standing, musically speaking. 
I think Lindsay would play to Paul's bad side, which where it takes him forever to finish a song. Or f- he, oh yeah, Paul two works, perfectionists in a room yeah. together, their heads would explode. Paul, Paul works right. better when he, he like, right. knocks a song out in three hours. And he, you know, if you look at Flaming Pie, that's why I think you know, Neil would. That's my answer. I mean, I'm sticking to uh, it, right. Neil, because uh, that's you got the so guy who. Come on, Paul, just screw it, man. Let's just knock this out yeah. in an hour. And you know, you, you know, well, I played with Stephen. Right. I used to like do crappy things just to piss him off. <laughs> nice. Wow. <laughs> no, but I think Gilmore and Miller because one thing that Paul likes to do is play lead guitar. But by letting them do it, and then Paul take care of the bass and the guitar, or, you know, rhythm and, and the drums. Right, say. Hans Neil. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would work better. I wouldn't mind okay. him writing with Graham Nash. Ooh. Wow. Writing. I'm not saying... Would it work, though? Because wouldn't he be better off writing with David Crosby? No. No? No. 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 Something a little little more on the I, Len- the undisciplined, more on the Lennon side than... I don't think we need to say, like, the Lennon no, side. No, no, but I, I'm I, just saying. I, 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 even though I did that by saying Billy Joel sounded like it, John. But, but then again, if you're going to have Graham Nash do it, then well, you better record an EMI. You better get, you know... Yeah, get, right. Get the, you're back to that again. Yeah, so that might be a thing. But that wouldn't right. be bad. Like, so yeah. our definitive three, Billy Joel... I said Dave Grohl. And Neil Young. Okay. okay. Great. And okay. Carol King. Cool. And Carol <laughs> King. Oh, wow. All right. All right. Well, I shall select one of our greener entries. So, how green was my phone call? Let's see. Hi, guys. This is Chris Wisniewski from Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, I have a question that might be considered controversial. I'm not trying to trigger anyone. But it occurred to me that if Nixon had been successful in deporting Lenin, he probably would still be alive. So, my question is, do you guys think he would have continued recording? And what type of music do you think he would have continued? Would he continue in the pop vein he was getting back to? Or do you think he might have been political because of being deported? That's my question. Rock on. Well, well he's Chris. not the first one to say that if he was deported, that John Lennon would be alive. Uh, if I remember right after John was murdered, a bunch of people in Great Britain said the same thing. Mm. I agree with that, by the way. I would agree with that as well. Yeah. I do and I don't. Obviously, I know we one can't can say. believe that the fates are the fates and that that is what it right. is. And, well, um, people would argue that when your time is coming, if, your if time is there. John, but would the jerk of all jerks be going to pia- UK? Got, you know, not to be, would a piano have fallen on him? Oh, you know right. what I'm saying? Like when your when your time is there, your time is there. Or maybe John so, Lennon tours in 1981, and you know the jerk of all jerks is waiting outside. You know, uh, the right. Square Garden or something. Right. If Le- John Lennon was supported by the Nixon administration, I think John would have came back in 76, 77. He would have tried again to get back in. Because I he, think you're right. I think I when think, Nixon was I, out, I think he would have tried think, to get back in. I think you you can reapply. You could have reapplied. I mean. Let's say they did kick him out, and he goes back to Great Britain. Well, what okay. he would have done is what a lot of people talked about him possibly doing. What he would have done is what some people argue he should have done to begin with, gone back to Great Britain and had his original conviction overturned. That, that would have been smart. Yeah, I never Which thought Which would that. have screwed over the whole, the, everything. Right. the whole reason for him being there. So that, years later, people were saying, oh, yeah, we could have done that, too. I never thought of that, actually. So, yeah, yeah so he could have gone back. But he wasn't back. advised to do that by Leon Wilde. Well, because you got to remember, because it was partly having to do with, with Yoko and Kyoko. Right. And, and the idea being that it, he couldn't leave her because it would have, if she left with him, it would have created major problems for her. She right. wouldn't have gotten Kyoko right. back. Right, she wouldn't have gotten Kyoko back. Right. So 
you know, the main thing is I see where Chris's point is. is oh, that, yeah. Is that Nixon, with everything that was going on, it would have had to have been a force play. He, he would have had to have been forced out for him to leave. But assuming that he is still alive, I think Chris was asking what kind of music. I don't think it would have been anything. To, I, don't, I certainly don't think he would be doing the Great American Songbook. No. Paul can no. pull that off. John wouldn't have, I, I don't think. No, but John liked a lot of that music, too. You know, it, he, it doesn't matter that he liked it. You know. I don't know what John would have done. I, I always say, I assume he'd still be a peace activist. and he'd, oh, I don't know about that. My other thing would be, would he still be writing music that he enjoyed making? I don't know if he would have done you know, another Sometime in New York City. Um, I definitely don't think so. I think he I don't learned think, very heavily from that. Well, we just discussed that. We did. That was a, I, that was I, controversial for I, us. And I think he wouldn't have done something to that extent. But like I said in those shows, maybe, maybe one song on an album. You know, every. But album. can I can I pose the question of here's like what when you've got all these promoters who want to have him tour and whatnot. Or you, you, the Nixon administration wants to stop him from touring, and you have promoters that would want him to tour, and you know they want him to, to get tour. right because it's money in it and whatnot. But mm-hmm. who's to say that had he been deported, it's not like he would have been deported and shut up. If he'd gotten deported, he would have been even louder. I'm not sure about that. I don't I know. I don't think he would have. Between his legs, I don't think while. he would have been beaten. I don't think he would have no, been defeated. I think for a little while, maybe. But then he would have come back stronger. But I don't think, I I think for a little while he might have been like, oh my God, they actually did it. They threw me out of America. Well, they didn't throw him out. It's about the visa ending. And he he knew it was Nixon. I mean, he knew it was a. Well, it's the administration. Yeah, he knew it was a vindictive attack. It's an interesting question. You know, what would have John Lennon done in the 80s? You know, we we do know uh, that he was going to tour in 81. We. We know that. We, we've heard that from the, the With people. reconfigured, Absolutely. she loves you yeah. and I yeah, want to hold yeah. you. Well, yeah. It makes a lot of sense. And, and the possibly other, the big shows with Elton. But, but, with a, right. But also the other side of the coin is, you know, the other three Beatles didn't really have a... Well, Paul Hatt was working with, you know, Michael Jackson. Pop-wise, he was doing well, but maybe not as creative. I don't know. Yeah. I, think, I think he would have been a little bit stymied. Um, yeah. I think, yeah. I, and I have to be very honest... I could see him having done the tour, done, but I don't know if he would have really done anything earth-shattering. I think he certainly would have been... At, at that point, could you be earth-shattering? Exactly. You've already, you've already I mean, shattered the I, earth. I mean, right, exactly. I mean, I think that it would have been like Paul. You would have gotten an album every couple of years. You would right. have gone, oh, some great tracks. Th- oh, think some, about... We'd but, be but, analyzing and reviewing... Songs, some albums giving them an eight, and some albums giving them a six. But think, look what know. happened, like Dylan in the eight, mid eighties. He got he, he, I don't say he got lost, but he, it wasn't the same as the seventies or the sixties. Yeah, but some people argue that Infidels is one of the strongest. I love his Infidels, Dylan. Some, but yeah, but, yeah, but that was eighty one. But the question is that with John, I think, I can't way put it. I think a lot of it has to do with the idea that Yoko was doing that really like left of center stuff that yeah. she was doing inspired by like the B52s. So well, he wasn't she inspired. She inspired she, inspired, she is, but yeah, yeah. inspired by the fact that John saw the B52s right, and right. went, "Wow, now look at that mother you're current, you know." So Yoko was doing that. So it wasn't like John was going to go in that direction because then he would've been kind of stepping on Yoko's toes. 
But maybe he would have uh, said, "Look, look what I was talking about, 1970 with Yoko, and now it's it's more acceptable." Absolutely, but and I but, think that's where maybe he he works a little. Absolutely, bit there too. but I'm talking about like with his music. He's not a Paul McCartney. He wouldn't have been playing drums and bass right. and doing his own. No, he needed other people. Lennon solo album, right. and this is with all due respect to him, but I I I think it would have been this. All right, well we've got a band now. Let's do another record. And it would have been another, like, would he have maybe done something unusual, like done a movie score? No. If somebody to pro- Who knows? I, I, no, you're if right. Somebody approached him, if, if, it's, if it's, Kubrick approached him and said, do you want to do the soundtrack to Full Metal Jacket? Well, originally he was supposed you know, to be in War Games. The movie War really? Games. Yeah, he, yeah, he was, was going to be... Oh, he the, was going to be the professor. The I do professor. remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. And if you look yeah. at him, that the guy who played Yeah, they him, made him look like him. Is, yeah, yeah, long hair. No. So, I mean, you know, who knows with that kind of stuff? Would it's, he have done something... Would they have said, you know what, well, let's... You know, we want to do something with an orchestra. But I, and also, will make it interesting, But maybe. also, John had come you know, to accept... It took 10 years, but he came to accept that, you know what, I was part of the Beatles, and you know what, we did change the world. They and, did, yeah. and I think yeah. I think eventually he would have worked with I, Paul again. I think so too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Later, whether George yes. would have been there, I absolutely. don't know. Uh, no, but, I don't think so. But I, th- I do think they would have worked. And maybe it's not you know John Lennon, Paul McCartney, you know, sing the Everly Brothers or something. But maybe they they help each other write a song or two or play each other. You know, I absolutely. Yeah. I think there would have been. I don't been, think it's the Beatles again. No, but no, no. I think, I think there would have been. Lennon McCartney writing. Yeah. Yeah. I think there would have been consistent contribute co contributions for the two of them. Yeah. So for it's, years, it's yeah. always tough though. You know, to figure all that out. And it's and, sad too. Yeah, it yeah. is because it. It, it could have been. What yeah. might have been. All right. Um, who's up next? Me. Oh. I am going to go with Ray. Blue Mini. Hi guys, this is Bob Keeley from Holland, Michigan, and I'm uh, wondering your opinion of all of the outtakes and things that have been released uh, with the anthologies and other related things, which ones do you think are the best? Ooh. Thanks a lot. Bye. Fun. Oh, wow. Hey, Bob. Thanks. Wow. Um, I actually like most of the anthologies, uh, meaning that the only thing I didn't like about the anthologies is when they took like a demo or something, like Yes It Is is a great example. That type of... Outfake. That's not an outfake. That's... Um, it's an edit. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Frankenstein. It's, you're right. It's a radio show proof. Like you're on the radio and says, well, this is what it sounded like in the beginning. And then, oh, here's the ending where it sounds like. Right. Yeah. Right. So that was the only part that it bothered me. Uh, I know a lot of people like to knock the anthologies because it wasn't perfect. But how do you do what they did? What they did, they put six hours of music out. No one else has done that of outtakes. And all three of them went to number one. Uh, usually you get a box set and it's like... Well, well, there's maybe five outtakes on here, and then you know the rest of your hits. They had songs we know and love, but they were different versions, and and I thought the anthology was very good. The BBC I love, but I I, I like the way they fixed it a few years ago with the first one, where there's no that none of that overlapping. You know, I love the song track. I I have no real problems with since BBC stuffs come out of what has been released, re-released legally, of course. So I, I have no problem. I love the, the great example, Day in a Life on Anthology 2. I like what they, how they put that all together from different takes. I, yeah. I'm not offended by that because the Beatles did that themselves, Strawberry yes. Fields. Yeah. I Watch You, She's So Heavy, two songs where there are two distinct versions and they did an edit on it. Yeah. There's others yeah. too, but those are two that I'm thinking of right now. 
So to me, I would, I love the anthologies. Now, to me, to pick a one, two disc anthology out of the six, if you had to like come up with the best of, I think he's asking about a song. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So that would be the uh, where I'd start about the unreleased stuff. For me, the unreleased stuff is best when it's a revelation, like a electric, and I love her, like a. Tomorrow never knows. Take Tomorrow one. never knows. Take one. The Andy song Berg that starts. Well, Andy Berg, is it the song that starts off as a waltz? In the first, what's the one that starts as a waltz in the first um, take? Uh, I'll be no, back. I'll be back. Yeah. 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 All the revelation stuff that we just did. You know what? I, you know what to do. Even that was you know, a great revelation. You know, we didn't even know that existed. Stuff like that. To me, I mean, I could listen to some of the. Willie, we're forgetting one too. We're forgetting the the acoustic while my guitar. Correct, but we heard that on sessions and stuff. But we did, but, that, but he, right, again, he's, right, he's, he's just he's saying all about, those stuff, yeah, right? Yeah. So you're right. Yeah. All the revelation that's one stuff. For me, though that definitely. was edited. You know that loop at the it, end. Yeah, it is right. I but, mean, but the, the laughing and your bird can sing to me is just uh, so good. Stuff like that. The the revelation stuff is really really cool to me. Other than that. I don't have any favorite. I'm not as big a fan of the demo stuff. Like, you know, Anthology 3 to me dragged because all it was was mean Mr. Mustard, mean Mr. Mustard, mean Yeah, Mr. I agree with you. After a yeah. while, I was like, I, I don't want to hear it anymore. You know, too much. But uh, to me, the perfect two CD set was the Anthology 2. Yeah, I agree. But the in general, I like the revelatory stuff that we just never heard or never knew existed. I think for me it was uh, the Andy Bird can sing. I love the humor. The no reply yeah. cracks me up. This um, boy the, on the EP of y- well, yeah, the yeah. Bird. Uh, Even the ooh of eight days a week, you know. Yeah, and also, I mean, I have to say, I go back very often to the original ones that were, and there's a soft spot in my heart for the Swing and Pig, oh, sure. you know, session stuff. You know, the Can't Buy Me Love. The country one. The country one. That's yeah. probably still a That's favorite. a revelation, though. Yeah. That's a revelation. When that first happened, that was just mind-blowing. Like, right, exactly. You know, but I think, uh, I think, yeah, it's it's the you'll know what to do. It's And ever since I was a kid, and I first heard it on a bootleg, and it's still something that the weirdos that I hang out with run around oh. quoting is we'll still go into, you know, she looks <laughs> as an African queen. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm you sorry, but stuff. I do. But I'm sorry, but what a shame. It was just, it was hysterical. It was so left field. It was just like, you know my name. It was ridiculous. But he wanted that as an A-side. That's the only issue. Yeah, yeah, but you know what? But, you know, talking about just the idea of like, what of the outtakes just made you, you know. Right. That's one of the ones. So that yeah. also, yeah. yeah, that was a revelation to me. Oh, absolutely. So yeah. But we'd cool. all have heard it before. So it we had, yeah. But again, and, and it's still takes too. Yeah. So. yeah, but still, of the ones that have been released, yeah. that's one. So yeah. cool. Very cool okay. question. Thank Don't you, Barry. Got to get you into my that life. Was, was that Barry? Too. Oh, and got you into no, my life. No, it was I Chris. That. I love No, but I'm sorry. It was Bob. We were all wrong. Bob. Bob oh, Bob Keeley. So that was Bob. And who goes next? Is it me? I think Rob. No, after Bob. Pick Green. Green, green, green. So it did. Hi, this is Eric from Hammond, Indiana. My question is, in 2009, was it a mistake for Apple to release the CDs, remasters, stereo, and the mono box sets, and the same day also released the rock band video game? This is 2009. This is coming off the uh, economy that uh, hit the rocks. 
to release all that material in one day, it was a mistake. I think it adversely affected the rock band sales, that they should have had their own release, preferably earlier, maybe even a year earlier, when the whole uh, Guitar Hero rock band thing was even more popular. And I think they missed their chance of also releasing a CD and vinyl of those rock band mixes, because I think it would have been a, a tremendous release. And not only to have the game, but actually have a physical CD or record that you could play of those new mixes. But by having all those platforms at one time in 2009, to do that was asking a lot of fans to put a lot of money on a lot of material. And I think it hurt the um, mono box sales and then also hurt the rock band. I'd be interested to hear what you guys have to think. I do think that was a mistake. All right. Thanks, guys. Great show. Eric makes a good point. You know, it's, I never thought about just, that with the economy and stuff, but he's right. I didn't either, and that's I, a really important well, important point to look at. There's many ways to look at this. First of all, you have the rock band. Not everyone got it. I know you did. I bought it, but, I but but everybody who bought it didn't just buy the disc. You had to buy the bundle. Right, you had to buy 150 everything. 150 bucks. Right. Now, that that's one thing. I love the Rock Band mixes. First of all, a lot of them have legitimate endings. You, you ever listen to the word, the Rock Band mix of the yeah. word? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That's fantastic. I think I'm going to just toss into Eric that economy or not, it's also the point being that there are the people who were getting it to play the game. Right. And for that, he's right. It was a year too late. The, the game well, the, craze the, had already peaked. But the game did well. It just, the game did just well. There was just too many people getting paid that not, they didn't make right, money on it. Right. And, but the it didn't do as did well as they expected. Well. Right. It didn't do. It's another thing well, that shipped. I think it. I think the, it, it was. They they really thought it was going to sell a yep, lot. They well, overshipped yes, it. That's true. They overshipped yeah. it. Same thing. It was just gold return platinum. But yeah. yeah. But but I think I think the idea for me is that so many people wanted the mixes, the rock band mixes, and by this time, two thousand nine, bit torrenting and file trading and whatnot was at such a peak that. The people who really wanted the music, we were going to get it through the black, you know, through the underground anyway. Right, right. So nobody was buying Rock Band for the music. So the idea of him saying, had they put out a CD, a legitimate CD of quote the Rock Band mixes, mm. I think, like you said, if you just put a disc out with all those cold endings and stuff like that, that would have been totally insane. While my guitar gently weeps, yes, goes right to the last yep. note. Fantastic, dear yeah. Prudence. Same thing. Yeah. So truthfully, had you, know. you put that out as a CD, I think in everything that Eric said, that if you'd have done that and done it a year earlier, it would have been mind-numbing. But he's right about putting all that crap out well, in 2009. I mean, I can see the stereo and monos. Again, well, well, it's a... No, well, but Eric's got... Like, it's I, funny because he's got a different question. Like, I know. There's two questions. The argument is, did you screw us by not just putting the stereo and mono on the same album? The same or, disc. Or, or right. did you screw us by, like he said, putting everything out together? Do you put the rock band out, I wasn't ready a year earlier, but do you wait until 2010? Right. I mean, no. I mean, to me, truthfully, why? if you were going to screw us and not put the stereo and mono on the same disc, again, I see Eric's point. If the mono is going to be a niche market item, right? niche market, however you want to say it, the point is, you're going after everybody's wallet with the stereo box. You got a different group that's going to go after rock band. But if you're going after the hardcores who are going to have to buy the damn stereo box, and then you're going to sucker punch them with the mono box on the same day, 
you know what? Then Eric was right. Wait a well, friggin' year and let us get the mono box later. Right. We're gonna have to find something to bitch about anyway. Problem with the so, mono box. It was of like twenty thousand. Co- it was not a lot of copies made. Right. There was counterfeits made literally starting the day he came out. Of because course there is. The, yeah. There was, the, the mono box sold out so fast. Yeah. Whenever. Yeah. And. Our friend Rob has the counterfeit. Yeah. He bought it just to see what it looked like, and it sounds the same. And except for small print, you can't tell. That's how good the, right. the copy was. The, right. But I think one of the problems was, and no one talks about this, in 1987 is when all the, the first round of CDs came out. It took 22 years to do a remastering where every other rock catalog had been remastered somewhere along the line. And the Beatles were one of the last ones I to do though, that. I think, though, but that, was, that made it more anticipatory a product than Rock Band itself. Because we didn't know what Rock Band was going to bring. We just knew it was a craze. But I think the remastering of everything... Oh, it was beautiful. Was, it was beautiful. Like we said, it was like opening up a window mm. and letting the, you know, the fresh air in. But I do think, to Eric's point, the economy was ish. And you're putting out now, you know, the, the box set was not cheap. The mono box set was not cheap, and neither was Rock Band. I think ultimately where Rock Band failed is that there was just not enough content. Also, you had the three downloadable albums, but you had to pay for it. And then I never knew how to download it. I wasn't tech savvy, but I did it. Well, it's actually four. I'm sorry. There was the 45 songs. And and then then three albums. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, uh, regardless, I, I think Rock Band failed for other reasons, not just because they released everything together in 2009. Right. And also, you know... Not everybody who bought the the hardcores who bought the remastered and mono box set even cared about the rock band. Yeah, I, I, I think rock what band we cared about was what quickly. we knew we were going to get for free. Right. Uh, right. Well, you know, rock band. The best part of rock band is is when they gave you the three downloadable al- albums, and you listen to Abbey Road and you see how okay this song these two were recorded together and that okay there's an ending on it it's not edited like it is on the album and you see how the pieces fit and and how it, it really side two it becomes even more of a genius move the way they did it when you hear Abbey Road as a rock band mix well then when they gave us the downloadable albums they should have also given us downloadable content meaning well, to Yes. Uh, make on a CD. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. But they didn't. Yeah. And I think it's a missed opportunity. But I, I, to his question, I know where he's going. He's saying everything was thrown at us at once. Just like this year in 2018, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff coming out yeah. uh, at once. I mean, archive yeah. sets and Egypt Station and the White Album Box and the Imagine Box and, oh my goodness, enough. Yeah. You know, so uh, people are going to have to pick and choose. They're not going to be able to afford right. everything. And the Beatles also had put out uh, this new limited edition $200 Yellow Submarine box without even the movie in it. So you're going to have to pick and choose. And I think people did pick and choose, and they just didn't choose Rock Band in 2009. Yeah, and I understand it because it's a video game. And And if you didn't buy... And there's some people that don't know even how it works. Right, and if you didn't buy the bundle with the drums and the Hofner, you you can't play. Right. So it, it was useless to people. So I think a lot of people wanted to hear the music, well, that, that was the not problem. play the music. I, I think that was one of the problems with Rock Band also, that you had to buy all that pe- all those pieces together. And I think so. If you had the game already, you couldn't play it. You had to have the Beatle, you know, the Hofner and everything else. So I think that was part of it too. Well, and I think, I think you could play it though, if I'm not mistaken. I think really? you could, I thought, yeah. I thought you, I thought you had to have all the pieces too. 
I think part of the problem is that there are so many Beatle cover bands that I think actually most people who actually would be playing rock band are actually already playing in Beatle cover bands. <laughs> oh. So I think the point is, you know, who the hell needed rock band? You could just well, go what, and Well, what did Ringo say at the, the press conference we went to? Well, I, I played on it. I don't, I don't know. I can't play the game, but I played uh, on the I played records. played on the records. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, all right. Well, that was a, that was a great question. question. Yeah. yeah. So. Hello, it's Barbara from Southern California. My question is if you could go back in time, name two Beatles and two solo concerts that you would have liked to attend. Thank you. Wow. Two Beatles shows. Right. And two solo shows. Well, that's a good question. Well, we've, we we've done this before, but the variation is always there. I assume when she talks about concert, she means from 62 on. Yeah. I, no, I don't think there's well, any parameters okay, there. No, she didn't say any parameters. Yeah, okay. She said you go back in time. Yeah. Okay. That means you can go back to 56 if you want to see them meet at the, meet the fate, you know, the Liverpool. fate. Yeah. yeah. I would have tripped Paul on the way there. <laughs> Just to see what happened. Just felt like, oh, I'm sorry, dude. Oh, he's man. Right, he's riding his bicycle. Uh, put a, a, a put something in his spokes. Oh, oh no. I'm, oh, I'm really man. sorry. I was oh, on man. my way to work. Uh, did, did you break it, your guitar? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, man. dude. Oh. Um, <laughs> I, I would always, having been in the remake of The Cavern, I would love to have actually seen the Beatles in the real place cavern. I think to me that would be something. But I'd have to be in the middle tube. Because the other two tubes, I don't know if you've ever seen. Yeah, you know, it's three tubes. The other two tubes, you actually stand over them. Either one, you really can't see the stage. No, you can hear it. But you, you can can't hear it, see but you can't. You have to like lean in and look around. So you have to be in the back. So you, that, that would be. That's one show. I don't want to pick uh, Shea Stadium. I'm going to pick Carnegie Hall. Well, Carnegie Hall, interesting. You would have been there with your little cassette recorder. I would have, of course. I'd be. <laughs> <laughs> Rob comes in with his briefcase, well, and opens it up. Well, <laughs> they, well, you know, my dad was a teacher, so back then he he'd go to board meetings, and well, actually, that was in the seventies. But he had a cassette machine. I still remember that as a as a kid. So. And what about solo shows? Oh wow! She I, said I, two shows, two solo. I shows. would have liked to have seen Wings Over America at, at Nassau Coliseum, and. I guess one-to-one -one concert, 72. Okay. Elton and John at the Garden. That okay. would be one of mine. Just okay. absolutely. Just being a hardcore Elton freak. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and also am. the peak of Elton, too. And yeah, that's why, you know. So I'm cheating, because uh, then I get to see the <laughs> because Elton Because you show. also know that it's, it has, it's going to happen. Right, uh, you know. right. So yeah, so I'd be I'd be sitting there with like a shit eating grin, like ha ha. Although a lot of people in the audience did know, they did know they that did know day. Well, they, well they Scott Muni had alluded to it yeah. quite blatantly on his yeah. show. Yeah. So that would have been one. I would have probably dug the full concert that was the taping for James Paul McCartney. I would have liked oh, to have cool. seen the band do that show <laughs> in the in the Very TV cool. environment. Okay. I think that would have been uber cool. It's another one. Uh, so that's um, solos, now Beatles. Yeah, Beatles, I, again, I'm, I'm going to be like a real, I'm going to be a real bastard and I'm going to cheat. I would have wanted to have been at the 64 and 65 NME poll winners concerts. Because then I wouldn't have just gotten to see the Beatles. I would have been seeing the Stones, the Moody Blues, the Yardbirds, the so Kinks, what the Kinks. So my feeling is that's where I put my butt. I mean, granted, so you're I would, cheating. You're cheating. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I would want you know would I want to see the Beatles? At, you know, my my other thought would be the one that I talk about in my in the show, and we did it. So that's why I'm changing it up too. The other thing would be the very first full day with Ringo. 
right. Okay. To just see them being like, holy shit, we're the Beatles now, you know. But no, I'm going to cheat and do the 64 and 65 poll winner shows. Well, actually, then I get if, a lot if, of well, stuff. if you talk about that, the way to actually be is you see Pete Best two days before something, and then you see Ringo, and then you can judge which one is better. You know, you're like, you're going to, you'd know. You go to August 14th or whatever yeah, the yeah, last right. show is. Yeah, and then go to Ringo. You know, there is oh. one time traveler who really knows why Pete Best was kicked out. Right. So that might, that'd be kind of fun. Like, yeah. you know, two days later, oh my God, we got this new drummer. He's really, wow, really good. far out. Mitchell? For me... I would definitely want the Elton and John performance. I, even though it's only three songs, I want to hear it. Yeah, I want to see it. The well, excitement. Well, came out is, for Bitches Back playing tambourine. People forget that. Yeah, true. But I also would like to be at a Bangladesh. Concert. Yeah, there's another cheat because he. Gets of course to see it everybody. is. I can see everybody. Yeah. Afternoon, evening. Ooh. Oh, it, you know what? It doesn't matter. Well, it's two songs that were yeah. played in the I afternoon. Know. That normally it doesn't matter really, as long as I got to really see. George was kind of cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um. So those two are solo. Okay. None of us wanted to go to Japan, I noticed. No, 90, I'm not going for the to the 91 Japan. show. For the Harrison oh, 91 show. I would you know what? I thought you meant Beatles. No, I just thought of that also. But you know what? Yeah. Uh, then I'm seeing three. Um I'm, <laughs> no, I'm, I would like to go to the one where he did Fish on the Sand though. Nice. I'm I'm, I'm yes, not remembering yeah. which one, but yeah. there was only one show yeah. that he did Fish on the yeah. Sand. That would cuz that's one of my favorite songs. Yeah. As far as Beatles, you know what? I'm going to cheat too, but I want to see 66 NME because that has not been filmed. That's true. And we don't know. I mean, That's we've true. seen stills from it, but we don't. I don't think we've ever heard it. See, if you went to one of the other ones, I would have bumped into you there. <laughs> we could have hung out and <laughs> but, stuff. But really freak people you out. You would have been to, like, we wouldn't go together. Hey, we're from the yeah, Fab Four yeah, Free yeah. For All. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're a podcast. What, what's a podcast? What's a, what's a free for all? What? Oh, you're, for, you're hippies. Free for all. No, the enemy 66, I don't think we've uh, we've seen nope. stills. I don't think yep. we've heard it either. No, never seen it. Um, yeah. But also, you know, maybe the Circus Crone, you know, that in Germany. Oh they, I thought God, they were really great show. there. Yeah, so I On think. Fire. Yeah, that I think. Fire. See, I wouldn't have chosen Shay. I would have liked to have seen maybe a good, like, Philadelphia 64. What's well, not the Another one where Ringo was on medication? And I think John and Paul, like, mess up if I fell there laughing through yeah, the whole yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's the Atlantic Atlanta Whiskey Flats bootleg. Yeah. So those shows, I think, would be great. Good question. I, I like yeah, that one. Awesome. Yeah, Very cool. All right. And we have more questions, but, you know, the show must end at certain points. <laughs> and we're I thought the show must go uh, on. The show must go well, on. Well, right. this, this physical show must end. We will continue th- with more questions down the road. Because we really love doing these shows because you guys ask great questions. Yeah. Great questions. We really tonight. do. Yeah. A lot of fun. You so, know, we do any more. We'll, we'll, next time we do this, we'll either take the ones we didn't use now or we'll get more too. So, so go to the Fab Four Free For All site on Facebook, and the next time we do this, uh, you can uh, give us more questions. We would love to hear them. And you can, of course, give us a call. The phone number is 301 799 8611. Again, 301-799-8611. And that's actually for anything. If you want to ask a question, you could do it all year round. We'll get to them. We'll put it on, um, out there for us to, to yeah, do I, a I love the show. question shows. Because yeah, we, but also, if you have a comment for any one of us about mm-hmm. the show in general, you and don't want to write. if you have the 27-minute Helter Skelter or yeah, we'd like Carnival to have of it Light, yeah, you, you can, can download uh, Yeah, you could, you send could it call us, us, tell us that you have that, and we'll, we'll oh, reach out to you. People just say that just to you know, I know. No, you know what someone's going to do now? They're going to loop. Held the skeleton for 27 minutes yeah. and sent it to us. Anyway. Not the same. Please don't. Anyway, well, thank you for listening to the Fab Four Free For All. Yes, thank you. I have been your moderator today, Rob Leonard, and joining me, of course, is... Mitch Axelrod. And... Tony Chiguardo. We'll see you next time. Thank you. 
Fab Four Free For All was edited and produced by Tony Chiguardo at Word of Mouth Studios in Westbury, New York. The opening and closing theme is My Dolly by the band The Badge, featuring longtime listener Jeff Slate, available on its debut album Digital Retro and recent Best Of compilation, as well as from the Fab Four Free For All website. Thanks for listening to Fab Four Free For All.